you to walk out of here with bondage in your mind, in your heart, in your life, in your relationships, in your finances. I mean, no, it's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing. And, and we have him. He is here. He is here. Aren't you glad? He is here. And he's got a purpose. He wants to speak to you today. Now, I know you heard it all, and I know you know it all. At least some of you think you do. But just reach over to your neighbor and say, you don't know it all. You don't know it all. Because not all is to be known yet. A lot that Pastor Ron doesn't know. Talk about humbling to try to preach each week to people. To try to re-enlighten them about stuff they already know. You've got to say it another way. That's why churches are going into gimmicks. Trying to do gimmicks to try to, you know, trick you and, and twist it and turn it and put a light on it and a dance and a wiggle and a worm, you know, so that you'll think it's it, it's attractive. I hear pastors all the time. We're trying to attract people. How I many know oh, Jesus is the magnetic Christ? If He's not enough to attract you, how I many know oh, everything in the world I do is not going to help you? He is the magnetic Christ, man. When He gets in here, it ought to attract you. It ought to just pull you to Him. The Holy Spirit wants to do that for you. But if you're not moved, if your conscience has been seared or your spirit is so dull and your ears are deaf and you don't want anything from him, I don't care what I do up here today. It's not going to help you. But I'm praying the Holy Ghost breakthrough because the Holy Spirit can do what I can't. Amen. The greatest preacher in the world is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You say, Pastor, is that true? Yes. Because when I'm not preaching to you at night, but when you lay your head on the pillow, the Holy Spirit is like a little cricket in your ear saying, repent, repent, repent. I know I've heard that cricket before. I've heard that cricket before. We have guests today, and I want them to come and share with you. Pastor, would you come uh, to Elio and his wife, Marcia? And uh, they're two beautiful children. You can come. Bring them all up, Pastor. Bring them all up. Yeah, you can come here. Uh, Jake and Joanna, uh, it's in Thailand. And I met this couple and their children this morning, but them online on Skype because I would do Skype once a month with Jake and Joanna over in Thailand. And I would speak to the whole team, the whole team. And they were part of the Thailand team. Uh, he is from Argentina and she is from Brazil. They met in Bible college in Brazil, Argentina, Buenos Aires. And uh, and so then they had two beautiful children. Here they are. And they went uh, from uh, Bible school. They went to India. On, on missions, and then they went to Thailand. That's where I met them online. I met them online. They saw me. I saw them, but we didn't really connect a whole lot. I'm sure what I said to them amazed them. I'm sure it was unbelievable. Uh, but then, then I didn't uh, totally forget them. Jake and Joanna kept telling me about their life, and they're here. They're in town just for today. They wanted to have a window. They wanted to greet you and share with you what God is doing in their life after Thailand. So here you go, Pastor. God bless you. Welcome. Let's welcome them to the Ozarks, to the Old Grove. Oh, thank you, Pastor, for giving us uh, five minutes. And, uh, yeah, we are blessed to stay here with you. And uh, you think, why we are here? Well, this is a good question. We have <laughs> questioned that. <laughs> that uh, our heart is moving here for the uh, U.S. because God sending us to working with Latino people in Arizona. And pray for us. <laughs> It's our first time in U.S. and uh, we don't know nothing. No, it's I don't know. We are a little worried because it's our first time in India. What different like here? And uh, the, the the we learn in English in India. We yeah, our feeling in India was amazing. And the same time was nowhere. <laughs> but you know <laughs> India and uh, also God sending after seven years uh, to Thailand and meet good team there and after few years and Jacob and uh, Joanna come meet then also my good friend uh, yeah this church is amazing because sending missionary also and we we know all of you is prayer for missionary and this is very important uh, one thing important continuing prayer for missionary because missionary in the camp uh, they, are, they need help <laughs> sometimes we, uh, you know, the money is okay. We, you know, this can be easy when you have money, but when it's new, no, don't have supporting from spiritual supporting from the church sending. It's very hard for missionary. 
when the missionary is working, they are alone in the one land they don't know. And the Thailand is a spiritual heart. It's a spiritual fighting. And we need the church supporting prayer, you know. And one, one church is, you know, fighting for prayer, you know. And, uh, yeah, we are blessing to stay here. We know everyone. And, yeah, much I will tell about change them up. So we are so blessed to be here this morning. And thanks for sending Jacob, Joanna, Caden, Sam, and Olivia. Thailand, it's, it's blessed because they are there. And you are there with them. And this is amazing. So I have lots of information about Thailand, but we gave Pastor same, same um, information that he can give you later. I just want to say something very, very fast and be brief. Uh, so about Arizona, today we have 47% of the population, they are Hispanic, 47 so the church there are praying for leaders and for pastors. So um, maybe you have been praying for this opportunity for four years, and the Lord are just sending us here. So just pray for us, and we would like we'd love to to be in touch and receive a team there in Arizona. And we are believing for greater things, but we cannot do that without the church. So. Thank you, Pastor, this morning for receiving us. And, yeah, we are blessed to be here. Would you stand? Would you please stand? And let's pray. Why don't you come right in front of this camera where they can see you. Right here in front of the camera. Right here. Stand right here. So some people online want to see who you are. And uh, just come right closer. Familia, come. Uh, so their beautiful daughter and son. This is Rebecca and Augustine. And this is their family. And would you stretch your hand this way? Would you do that? And uh, and uh, Pastor Jess, would you come real quickly and, and pray over this couple? Would you do that for me? Stretch your hand this way and let's believe God for his miracle working. Aren't you glad God is sending missionaries to America? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that you are sending missionaries to us. Lord, we have been a mission-sending country and, and church. But, Lord, your people are one in Christ. And we gladly receive your missionaries, your people, to come and minister to our nation, Lord. And, Father, our Hispanic population is a sizable portion of our country. And their souls are important to you, Lord, as as is every other ethnicity. And we pray, Father, that you would bless this family to be able to reach out to this community in Arizona, that they might come to know Christ and to serve him and and to be a blessing, Lord, not only to Arizona and to this country, but that they would be a blessing in sending others out into the world, Father. Because, Lord, you've told us that the time is short, that the fields are white unto harvest, and you just need laborers. Let us be laborers and let us be faithful. And I pray, Father, for your protection for your anointing, and for your blessing upon this family as they go into this mission field and serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise for the wonderful, wonderful family. And we're going to go to lunch together, and we're going to get to know them. And I take you up on the offer to go to Phoenix, and uh, we will go to Phoenix and be with you. And we will also take you on. What do you say we take them on? All right, you're on. You're in. You're on. You don't even have to come back. You're already on. But we want you to. We want you to. Welcome to the Ozarks, brother. We warmed it up just for you to get, you know, acclimated to the heat. Of course, uh, Phoenix doesn't have the humidity we do. So enjoy the hot air. But uh, I've been there. I've been there. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And it's it's a great thing to see God calling and sending and bringing people because the time is short. I said the night is spent. It's time for us to get busy about the master's business. There's really two things we're trying to do. And we're having a series on the Holy Spirit, Pastor, and we're talking about, about the Holy Spirit. And, but, but intimacy with him is urgent. But ministry with him is urgent as well. 
So we have to have, if, if we don't go to Jerusalem to pray before we go to Jerusalem to witness, we're not going to have any power. I mean, no, we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us. So then we can be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the end of the world. There's a lot of people with a passion to go, but they haven't spent enough time with Jesus to be endued with power. And listen, you go out there, they'll kill you. I mean, no, this world's mad, wild. And we need to bring Jesus to them in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's big. We've been talking about sanctification today. We're going to continue that thought. But it's going to be in the idea of freedom. Freedom in the Spirit. So let's see if we can't make this happen. Holy Spirit, help us. Second uh, Corinthians three twelve through 18. Since we have such a glorious hope and confident expectation. Isn't that good right there? A glorious hope and a confident expectation. We speak with great courage. In other words, we're bold. I said we can be bold because we have a big God and a powerful Holy Spirit. And we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites would not gaze at the end uh, of the glory, which was fading away. You, uh, he, he, he's doing a contrast to the glory of Moses' face in the presence of the Lord to the glory of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to look at it. But in fact, their minds were hardened. For they had lost the ability to understand. They had the law written on tablets, but they lost their ability to understand. Are y'all with me? For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed only in Christ. Somebody shout, in Christ. That's the only way. We've been hitting that hard. You're either in Christ or you're not. If you're in Christ, the veil is lifted. The eyes are opened, right? Not in Christ, not going to get it. You can't come to Jesus intellectually in your own strength, in your own self. You have to come spiritually. Unless a person born again, they cannot even get in. That's not, it's not me trying to leave them out. It's trying, it's God trying to get them in. And we live in a culture today that says that we're intolerant. We're not open to everybody. Can I tell you that's a lie? We're open to everybody. There's only one gate. So everybody's welcome to come into one gate. They're saying we're intolerant because you have to have several gates. No, there's only one gate. Can I help you? Listen, listen to me. There's only one name under heaven whereby a man can be saved. It is the name of Jesus. In Christ, that's it. There's no other way. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil for, uh, of blindness lies over their heart. It lies over their heart. Isn't that sad? But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith, to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, true freedom. So the Lord is the Spirit. Kind of throws people off. The Lord, I know we believe in Trinity, but the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord was here in person. Then he's gone. Now the Lord is here in spirit. Are y'all with that? Don't be confused. We believe in the Trinity. This is not, this is not oneness. It is the Lord is the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit is doing what the Lord did. The Spirit is trying to make you and I more like Jesus. He's lifting up Jesus. That's what he's saying here. If you have Jesus, you have freedom because the Holy Spirit is going to help you stay free. Christ through justification makes you free. Come on now. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And then after that, the Holy Spirit is helping you stay free. It's one thing to get free. It's another thing to stay free. And that freedom is not, not for uh, free, right? It has a cost. The cost for justification was the blood of Jesus. Anybody thankful and grateful for the cross and for the blood? By his own blood, he made us free, right? So God forbid that we continue in sin that grace might abound. No, the Holy Spirit's coming to say, hey, if you stay dead and live for Jesus, if you allow the Holy Spirit to move in you here. If you allow yourself to decrease, so God can increase. If you will empty yourself, Holy Ghost will fill you. So empty yourself of you and all that that comes with bondage of life in the flesh and let the Holy Spirit fill you with love, peace, joy, patience, gentleness. Are y'all hearing me? I've got to preach fast because y'all listening slow. And when we all with unveiled face is continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and progressively being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to uh, another degree of glory, even more glory, which can, comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
Are you following this? Very powerful. Thank you, Pastor. Keep preaching. Uh, stuck. Like my little Ellie says, stuck. When something gets stuck, it's stuck. It's just stuck. Is that the 18th verse? It's not stuck. It's just finished. Well, let's pray and go home. God bless you. We're done. It's not stuck. It's just finished. He is the Spirit of the Lord. He is not a, a, a doctrine. He is not a, 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 a teaching. I mean, no, he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, just like Jesus came in the person, the Godhead, all three in one. And the whole, all of them had a purpose. God was ascending. You know, God was the first missionary pastor. For God sent his only son. How I many know oh, Jesus was the first missionary, one who was sent, apostolic God we have. And then now we're continuing to send. How I many know oh, the Holy Spirit is sending Paul and Barnabas and others like this? He's an apostolic God. And he's always sending. He sent the Holy Spirit so you and I can have intimacy with Jesus. So we can, so we can look in the mirror. The Old Testament, they looked at the tablets, but it couldn't set them free. They had to look forward to the cross. How many know we have Jesus? We have Jesus and the Holy Spirit's number one job description is to lift up Jesus, to magnify Jesus. So you are made in God's image, but the image was marred by sin. Is everybody still with me today? So the Holy Spirit comes after salvation, which is justification by faith. Then we have sanctification, which is instant, but it's also progressive. I'm saved. I, I was saved. I am saved. And I'm being saved. And ultimately, I will be saved, saved when it's time for glorification. But sanctification is the one that where the rubber meets the road. That's the one that we have a hard time with. Why? Because we have a real devil. Can you say amen to that? So we've seen the old covenant of the law produces spiritual bondage in those attempt to live under that bondage by the rules, right? But the rem remedy for the bondage is the new covenant of grace. I'm thankful for the grace of Almighty God. We don't have to live trying to meet all the 969 laws. Man, it didn't work. But Jesus came not to give you a license to just live in sin, but to give you the power to overcome. Right? So he said, shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid. It's not a license for you to do whatever you want. It's not an open-ended opportunity for you to just uh, let God's grace be glorified because you're living in sin. How many know if you're walking in willful disobedience, you are a sinner? A carpenter plums. Right? I mean, a, a plumber plums. That's why they call him a plumber. He plums. She plums. A sinner sins. That's why they call him a sinner. That is continually sinning. You and I are not sinners. We're saints. Somebody ought to help me out here. But every now and then, we need to ask God to forgive us. We have been transformed. We are new creation. The old is done away with, and behold, now we are walking in the new life. That's life in the spirit. Are you getting that? And so the, the, so the spirit is helping us. It produces spiritual liberty. The grace of God produces spiritual liberty. Is that work through the Holy Spirit? Now the Lord is the spirit. The life-giving Lord of grace is the spirit of God. It's not of the letter of the law, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The law didn't do it. Couldn't do it. It was only temporary. And they needed a, a mediator. They needed a high priest who once a year would take all the sins of Israel and, and apply the blood at the mercy seat at the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And that day that the Lord would uh, smile on Israel again, forgive them of their sin, push their sin forward to the next year. It was only temporary. Is anybody here glad for our high priest Jesus who once and for all took the sin and abolished it? It is for freedom you've been set free. Jesus did that not so you can go back into bondage, not set it back into bondage, but so that you can walk in freedom. And that's what we've been talking about. Living by the rules has a deadening, binding spiritual effect on people. That's how the Pharisees ministered. Remember that? They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, Matthew 23, 4. You can't crack an egg. You can't do this. You can't do that. And we have churches who let the pendulum from grace, go all the way over here to law, 
So now if you do this and that and everything, you're going to be saved. How many know you're going to have a hard time being saved in your own flesh? In fact, it's impossible. I have my my uh, long sleeves and no hair on my face and and uh, and you're going to have have long dresses. How many know that didn't work out very well? Why? Because you can have a long dress and your tongue can be longer than the altar. Oh, help me out now. Legalism is not outside. I mean, it is outside. Spiritual sanctification is inside. When you have an inside work, it does affect the outside. I mean, oh, America's lost her reverence for the things of God. My goodness, reverence is a word you don't hardly hear anymore. Reverence. I'm not talking about clothes, although they wear more to Walmart than they do to God's house. We're not coming in here to some baseball game with your hat on turned sideways, relaxing, chilling out with your glasses and his flip-flops and just I mean no, God deserves our best. Look in the old testament. The 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 the, the ram and the and the sacrifice had to be spotless and perfect. And yet we just think, oh, grace of God, come as you are, do anything you want. And we lost the fear of God. We lost respect for God. And we lost respect for the things of God. I'm not talking about your dress code. I'm talking about the attitude of your heart. It's an attitude of your heart. In fact, we don't respect parents. We don't respect authority. We don't respect teachers. We don't respect anything anymore. And there's no discipline. There's no accountability. Am I telling the truth? Can help anybody help me here? Where did reverence go? Where did respect go? Reverence means fear. The fear of God is gone. So Everybody does whatever they want. Each man does what's right in their own eye. How many know the Bible doesn't give you that license? It's not the license he gives us through the Spirit. There's still a battle for your mind. you got to kill the old man. I wish I was preaching. Somebody was listening. Jesus came to liberate people, to set them free. That's why he ministered by the Holy Spirit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. How many know the church is anointed by the Holy Spirit? Anointed. Anointed to do what? Live for God. Be. Witnesses unto the Lord first, minister to the Lord first, right? And then to each other, to the world that's lost. And so so the Spirit of the Lord has anointed us. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. And look at this, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. How many know Satan's working overtime on your children and grandchildren, my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and the children to come? In the, can you imagine if evil keeps on continuing on in America, how ugly it's going to be in the future? But I say God raise up a church full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit of God that will say we've had enough as a, as the devil in the world and the flesh is regurgitating, vomit up all their perversion. I mean, it was time for the church to stand up and be the church. Righteous. Righteousness fills our heart. Not by our own abilities, but by the ability of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Son of God, humbly served the Father. The Holy Spirit empowered him to rescue captives, to release the oppressed. He said, that's why I was anointed. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Oh, Grove, you want to know why we're here? Let me just tell you. If all we were here to do is worship the Lord, how many know we could do that up in heaven? Come on, help me out here. Couldn't we do that in heaven? We can do that in heaven. Say, well, we're here to build up the body of Christ. If that's all the saints are doing is just building each other up. I mean, we can do that in heaven, too. There's one more reason why we're still here, and that's to evangelize the lost. Reach the lost they haven't heard. Forty-something percent in America, in in America, in in Arizona, at least. Forty-something percent. Hispanic. And, and, and you know something? To have Hispanic missionaries, this is very, very new, very cutting edge, Pastor, because to have Hispanic missionaries going from the Assemblies of God into America to represent, to have ethnic missionaries represent, we have very, very short, low, low, low number of ethnic missionaries. Most of our missionaries are Anglo. Oh, I wish somebody helped me out here. It's problematic, folks. Why is that happening? Because usually Anglo people invite Anglo uh, missionaries. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so there's, if there's no ethnic missionaries to go to ethnic churches, then they don't hear the gospel call. They don't hear. So we have a low percentage of ethnicities. 
people groups that are answering the call to go. But God's about to start something. How many know God's about to start something right here? Amen? Because when they go, they're going to share in an ethnic group, maybe a Hispanic group, because they speak Spanish a little better than me. I told them all of my story. You don't have to worry about it. It's my business. I am a Hispanic wannabe, okay? But as free, not using your liberty, look what he said. We are free to grow a life of righteousness. Our newfound freedom is not a personal indulgence. It is for the service of the Lord. Intimacy with him, personal edification, and service for them. I said it's not about me and you. It's about him and them. And if we'll die to ourselves, how I many we'll live for him? We'll look into the perfect law of liberty, look into the word of God, and look into to the mirror, he said, Jesus, and become like him. The Holy Spirit will help us if we will do the job of emptying ourselves. How many know the Holy Spirit will do his job of filling? But we have a job to do. We have to empty ourselves. And so we, uh, as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for our vice, but as servants of God. Now that we are free, we can use our freedom to lovingly minister to other people. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Galatians 5, 13 through 18. And Galatians 5 talks about the, the, uh, the lust of the flesh, all, all the vices of the flesh. Uh, that's not going to enter into the kingdom. That you can't say you're born again and have operate in all of this. Are you all hearing me? Today in America, you ask somebody if they're saved, they can be they can be fornication, adultery, homosexuality. They can be doing all of this stuff and say they're born again. I mean, no, that's a lie. You cannot be born again and live in that kind of sin willfully. You got to repent. You got to repent, and that's not the most popular message in the in the church today. When pastors tell me when you say repent, come to the altar and die, okay. Pretty rough. I went to church Sunday and I went to be encouraged and Pastor Ron said, come to the altar and die. It really lifted you up. I don't mean you die. I mean your old flesh dies. Take care of the sin issue. You can't walk in sin and glorify God with your life. You can't minister to anybody. I don't know if you're getting that or if it's just a a, a repeat. Next Sunday, I'm just going to hit the recording. I'm going to stay home. Melissa and I will stay home. Just hit the recording. You can listen to it. It's the same thing. God wants to save us from self-dependent striving and to develop a life of godliness and service to him. He accomplishes this through the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8.2. So the law of the Spirit, a new law. There's a new sheriff in town. He's the Holy Ghost. The law of the life in the Spirit is going to help us do what the law of sin binded us that we couldn't do. Are you seeing that? It's a pretty simple comparison. So walk in humble dependence. The Holy Spirit imparts to us the life that Christ has. It liberates us from the tendency to rely on our flesh, which is inadequate due to sin, spiritual darkness. If, if it's dependent upon Pastor Ron, Melissa, that's why we resigned the second Sunday we got here. Twenty years ago, we took this church. The first Sunday, we received it. The second Sunday, we resigned it. It was wild because the church was going through a lot. <laughs> and they were like, you're, you're quitting already in one week? We knew we were bad, but we didn't know we were that bad. No, had nothing to do with you. had everything to do with the fact that Ron and Melissa can't do miracles. Only Jesus can. We can't, we can't have. And in fact, I don't have a monitor on my desk that tells me every waking hour of your day. But the Lord sees his eyes go to and fro across the earth. I mean, oh, the Lord knows when you're in sin. And therefore, you and the Holy Spirit need to work it out. The Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See that fear and respect? So, so, so the Holy Spirit convicts. Anybody glad for that? So does the Word of God. So does the Word of God. Sometimes after service, I'll hear people say, thank you, Pastor. That hurt, but I really needed it, and I loved it. Keep preaching it. I had a guy in South Louisiana, a big old guy. I forget his name. He's so funny. But every Sunday, he'd take his Bible and hug me real tight, pound me on the back with his Bible and say, Pastor, he was Cajun. Pastor, you pounded me with the word today. <laughs> he means I got so convicted I had to make an altar. Why is the altar the most vacated place in the house? 
Why is it so hard? Are you proud? Are you too big? Are you so good that you don't need it? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Uh, have you been loyal to the Holy Spirit? Has he been loyal to you? Haven't you asked him to show you areas in your life to illuminate things that need to be eradicated from your life? If not, that's what he's supposed to be doing. But it takes us asking, seeking, and knocking. We have to ask him, and he will help us. Amen? We have to ask him. He's not going to, he's not going to force us to do anything. So all spiritual liberation, Lord, I praise you for liberating me from my old man. Now, we get saved and we go to the altar. We give our heart to Jesus. That's justification. And then in some areas, especially in this area of, the, of, the, of America, the Bible Belt, we think that since we've gotten saved, we don't need to continue to go to the altar. That's basically the idea. Once you're saved, basically, you're always saved. Can I tell you, that's deception. You need Jesus as much as I do. Why, Melissa and I can give you a list, a long list of ministers, pastors, missionaries, people who are supposed to be taking the gospel, who are dealing with issues. People have issues. Why? Because we have a real devil who's not going to lay down and play dead while you live in godliness. Are you seeing that? Freedom is never free. You always have to fight for your freedom. Fighting your flesh, fighting the devil, fighting the world, battle going on in your mind, killing the old man. Now, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, I think I want you to get this if you're taking notes. Some of you are on, on, on the beach and you're watching this. I know you're really loyal uh, in the boat watching this on your phone, I'm sure. That's what's happening. But 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him, that comes through the Holy Spirit, not your intellect, including exceeding great and precious promises, the Word of God. Amen? Aren't you glad for the Word? That by them we could become, become, become partakers of the divine nature in order, in order, watch this, to make disciples of all nations. So he saved me for a purpose. He didn't just save me so I could go to heaven. That's nice. That's good. I want to go to heaven. Don't you? But, but hey, he didn't give you the gospel and the truth and freedom for you to hide it and hoard it. Help me out, church. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor as yourself. You know it. You just didn't want to say it because you're scared to death of your own voice. Boo. Well, I don't want to scare you. But that's... Acts 2, 17 through 18. In the last days, it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know it, but you're just reading with me. All flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men, like me, shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. Notice there's only two. Male and female. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Listen to me. The most glorious, incredible, exciting revelation of the new covenant is that the anointing that came upon David in the Old Testament has come upon us in the New Testament. I mean, oh, the Holy Spirit has come upon the whole church. Anyone who receives, right? When you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you. At the baptism, he overflows you with a power, a generator to move you. Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's subsequent to salvation. Salvation first, Holy Spirit, baptism second. Are you seeing that? After you're saved, you need power. So go, he said. Remember, in John 20, he breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. That's salvation. And then Acts 2, they went to pray in Jerusalem to be endued with power from on high so that they might be witnesses unto him and share the love of God. So listen, if you're not willing to go, then he don't have to give you any power. If you're going to stay home in your, in your church, in your house, and, and just uh, drink wine, smoke cigarettes, there's no reason for you to have power. And watch Dynasty on TV. I love the way y'all are helping me. I pull out my white hanky. It feels like I'm getting some attention. The Lord Jesus called the head. He is the head of the church. I mean, no, Jesus is the head of the church. If there's no head, there's no life. He's the head of the church. Then he calls us the church, the body of Christ. We're the body. 
And the body listens to the head. The brain tells the hand what to do. The head tells the body what to do. The body is in submission to the brain, the head. This is not complicated, folks, and I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The church is called the body, the anointed one, the anointed body, with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, with the intent that the body with the same resurrection power in order to function in the threefold offices of prophet, priest, and king, like Jesus did. Jesus operated in his humanity, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We, the body of Christ, operate like Jesus did. We're supposed to be like him, do like him, talk like him, right? Walk like him. We're supposed to emulate, imitate Jesus. Not the newest preacher. I remember being in Bible school. I went to uh, Swaggart's Bible school. And uh, students in there, they got their jacket looking like Jimmy. They pulled their Bible out and pull it, hold it like Jimmy. They, they tried to walk like Jimmy. And I say, you know, and they, and I thought, boy, these are just a bunch of little copycats. I mean, if you want to copy somebody, copy Jesus. Copy Jesus. How I many know oh, he's the one that has the words of eternal life? Remember when Jesus said, everybody's leaving me. I mean, when you preach truth, people can't handle it. They start leaving. The crowd started to dissipate. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, hey, are y'all going to leave me too? To which Peter replied, or one of them, said, only you have the words of eternal life. Where would we go, Lord? Only you have the words of eternal life. I mean, that somebody has a clue. So the church as a whole and all who make up the body has an anointing from the Holy Spirit, the ability within them to declare God unto people. As prophets, we're to hear from heaven and report the truth to men. Prophets were used in the Old Testament. God would speak to them. They'd give the word of the Lord to them. Thus saith the word of the Lord, right? And they'd speak the word of the Lord. Israel didn't want to hear it. That's why they called Jeremiah the weeping prophet. Every time he'd preach, they wouldn't repent. Sounds like an assembly of God preacher. Feels like one right now. And so, prophets. They're revealers of the truth. Then there's the priestly anointing. We talked about this earlier in this study. Ability resident in them by the Holy Spirit, awaiting to be released through the ever-spirit-filled child of God to minister the love, mercy, compassion of Jesus to people, to bring them to God. How I many know oh, you're not going to win anybody by judging them, by kicking them, and giving a list of rules. You can come into our club if you do this, 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 and that. How I many know oh, the doors are wide open to whosoever will let him come? But when they get here, we don't leave them in the same condition we found them. So what the church is doing today is you come as you are, come as you are, and they never ask them to, to come to Christ or make a change. They look just like the world. They act like the world. They talk like the world. They sin like the world. I mean, no, that's not sanctification. So if you're sure, if you're not sure theologically what sanctification is, let me tell you what it's not. It's not that. You're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you can prove what that acceptable, good, perfect will of God is. It's not God's will for you to walk in the flesh. It's God's will that you walk in the spirit. In fact, it's called a walk. Right? It's not a race. It's a race, but it's not a marathon. It's a race, but you're not running, sprinting. You're not trying and hard. You're trusting. You understand? You're not running. You're resting. Having the anointing of the Holy Spirit means you have confidence. God confidence that you're at peace with God so your spirit can have shalom, real rest. You can sleep at night. You don't need sleeping pills. You don't need pills because you're anxious. You don't need, you need Jesus. The world's troubled on every end, pressed, hard pressed, right? But, uh, but not knocked down. How I many know oh, you will make it in Jesus' name with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit? So the anointing helps us and the priest, their priest, uh, or to, we are to be priests unto God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that represents the life of God to men. We're to be healers with the life of God. We're supposed to bring life as priests. We're supposed to stand between, right, and bring life to people in a death culture. Listen, America's quickly become a death culture. My goodness. Every time you turn on the TV, right here in Springfield, Green County, a murder every day seems like. Go to Kansas City, it multiplies. Kansas City, St. Louis, and the inner cities of America multiplies. Are you hearing me? Death, 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 death. And we're supposed to hold a sign of life, 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 life. 
So, so if we did our job, the world would notice. What is these crazy people saying life in the middle of a death culture? I mean, when it gets dark enough, the light will shine bright enough for them to recognize what in the world we're doing. And then there's a kingly anointing of the spirit-filled believer that enables them to rise up, take authority over every situation. There's never been a day where I've, I've seen where the church seems so anemic, so powerless, so running scared, full of fear. I mean, oh, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. We said that two weeks ago, right? But a power of love and a sound mind. But, but we are intimidated, shrinking back, scared to get involved, scared to say anything. Uh, I was telling somebody the other day, I started doing racquetball with Chris and Josiah. We played a little racquetball, trying to, trying to get my air back, my breathing back, because I could preach and, and, and barely can get a preaching out because I'm, I'm uh, getting older and wiser. And anyway, can't catch my breath. Anyway, can't catch my breath. You too. I mean, when you bend to show, when you bend over to tie your shoes and you run out of breath, I mean, oh, you got to do something. And so I started doing that. And so I was talking to somebody. They said, oh, yeah. Well, that's good, but you probably shouldn't do that. You probably shouldn't do racquetball. It's probably not the best thing for you. You can walk and do the same thing. I thought, so, so everybody's got an opinion about everything. Won't you just let me do my thing? Who asked you whether it was good or not? I'm just trying to get the fat off, people. But everybody's got an opinion about it. Don't you know everybody's got an opinion? This way or that way or publicly or educationally, politically, in church, ecclesiastically. They got an opinion uh, about everything. You better get with the Holy Spirit and ask him what he thinks about it. You'll be tossed to and fro with all these people's opinions and voices everywhere. And, and don't even start getting on Facebook. That'll blow your mind. I'm ready to quit the whole thing. I can't do it well in the first place. I think I have a lot of friends. It's because I went over there in a friend department and just friended everybody. Yes, yes, yes. I don't even know you. Never met you. Probably don't ever know you. I got like 3,000 friends. Never met a one of them. But we are kings and priests. We have authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth has been given to me. So I now give it to you. Here are the keys of the kingdom. You don't shrink back. You don't run and hide, cower down and be coward. Stand up and be bold. That's what the first part of the verse said today. Now we have boldness because we've been endued with power. We are spiritual people, kings, and, and, and we are given authority to extend the kingdom rule. By declaring God's way, the rulers of God's way. The anointing of the Spirit is not an indication of a pinnacle that's reached. You didn't reach this pinnacle because you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's the beginning of your walk with God, not the end. It's the beginning. But in the sins of God, boy, you get it. We work hard for them to get, get the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost. And then when they get them, we leave them on the pew undiscipled. So like you, you got saved at the altar. You got baptized. Yay. You got the baptism. Oh, boy, you got the baptism. And then, psh, Drop them on the pew and let them die. And that's what happened. Now that you reach the pinnacle of uh, maturity. How many know baptism of the Holy Spirit filling is not the pinnacle of maturity? It's the beginning. It's the beginning. Now you walk in a new way. You learn. The Lord illuminates. He builds. He gives you wisdom. And anybody learning anything in this series at all? It's a process that begins that designed to train us to reign as kings and priests. As disciples, in order to see the kingdom come more and more fully and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're moving, walking, living in the spirit from glory to glory, from glory to glory. And Moses, he had his so, so glorious, his face was he had to put a veil so that the glory would not shine in the eyes of the Israelites. And they envied that. I think they envied that, but they didn't have access to it. I, I just want to preach. I got to quit, but I want to preach. They had no access. Moses talked to God face to face, but the people of God had no access. And so what Paul is saying in our text is, hey, the Holy Spirit gives us access to God. And now we have his face. We have him partially. We have him partially. Soon we'll see him in when he comes face to face. But right now we have a picture, a mirror of him through the Holy Spirit. And we're walking in that glory from glory to glory, from grace to grace. He's helping us become more and more and more in like him. 
It's better than what Moses had is what he's saying. So the spirit is not evidence of maturity. It's equipment that leads us into enlarging levels of maturity. It's God's person and the Godhead that has come to reside and live in us so that we might be more and more like him. So what are we to do, Pastor? Well, we're to die to self so we can live for him. Satan is the one that created the fence that the church is, is straddling. Satan is the one that created the fence that the church is straddling. So the flesh, flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. And so, so after the anointing of the spirit comes, the, that's when the assault of Satan comes. I'll never forget when I got saved. And maybe it's true for you. As soon as I got saved, the devil said I wasn't. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, the devil said I wasn't. And when I got called in the ministry, the devil said you're not. Anything God has ever done for me, Satan has said it wasn't true. Everything. I mean everything. Anything God shows me, anything God does in me, Satan's always trying to knock down and tear apart what God's always trying to fill up. It's always been the case for me, maybe not you. So the anointing of the Holy Spirit has a multiplied multiplicity. That's a Jimmy Swagger term. Of manifestations. He's here to help us. The Holy Spirit's help, helping us in different areas. You, you're growing differently than I'm growing. You have different needs than I have. You have different strongholds maybe on you than I have. But we're all fighting one devil. I mean, no, there's only one God and there's only one devil. The rest of it is just working on that side or working on this side to work against you or for you. So, it's exciting. The Holy Spirit excites our mind. It delights our emotions. It's very important. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's most importantly to ignite our passion for intimacy with Jesus and ministry with Jesus. So I told you in the beginning. I'm telling you at the end, Chrissy. I'm done, and I'll have to pick up later. Intimacy with Jesus for the purpose of having ministry with Jesus. So about 10 years ago, I thought, Lord, I'm really working really hard for you. That's without results sometimes, but I'm working for you. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, why don't you stop, stop working for me and start working with me? We do so much to just say, hey, boy, you're doing a lot of things for God, for God. Listen, I mean, no, worship activity can become an idol. Some people are worshiping worship. A whole generation is worshiping worship. They forget Jesus, the one they're worshiping. Some people are worshiping faith. Faith and faith and faith and faith and faith, and they never talk about Jesus. I mean, oh, Jesus is still the key to this thing. He's still the key. And the Holy Spirit is trying to lift him up for us to release, to be an extension. It's not for personal employment. It's for public deployment. Not just for you. It's for you to be used, filled up, and used for the glory of God. It's very selfless. That's why, that's why love has to be the motivator. It's selfless. Not just about you being the smartest and the wisest and the holiest and the brightest in the church. I'm the smartest one. I know more than anybody in the church. Good for you. Now go out and give it away. So it's taking it in and giving it out. Taking it in and giving it out. Taking it in and giving it out. You should never be completely full. That's why we have to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Continually being filled with the Spirit. Everybody with me? Have you cut me off? Is it time to go home? It's four things. I need it for ministry. I need it for security. I need it for liberty, freedom. And I need it for personal edification. I need him. I need him for ministry. I cannot do anything without him. Right? And the Lord has anointed me to preach. Today I preached, but I didn't preach by myself. I mean, the Holy Ghost helped me preach today. Amen. Yes, he did. So if you don't think it good, take it up with the Holy Ghost. He was my helper. Paraclete. And for security, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He sealed us and he secured us. I don't have to worry about sliding back tomorrow unless I willfully start disobeying and walking away. 
There's a falling away. How many know there's still a falling away? You can backslide. You just keep walking away from the presence of the Lord. Just keep on ignoring the Holy Spirit's word in your ear. Keep on denying the word of God and the preaching of the word. Stop going to church and stop giving to God and stop loving God. Stop worshiping God. Before long, you'll wake up and say, how did I get way over here? Because you just kept walking away. So listen, it's about a walk. You're either walking toward God or you're walking away from God, but you're not standing neutral. You're walking toward God or you're walking away from God, but you're not standing neutral. So Isaiah 10, 27, it shall come to pass in that day. That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And that's what Jesus did. That day has come. I'm glad Jesus broke the yoke of bondage and set us free. And whom the son sets free is free indeed. Here's what I've noticed. There's a church that's walking in misery. And I'm not talking about our state. Walking in misery. When they ought to be walking in joy, in confidence, in joy, and peace, and love. But they're beat up, kicked around by Satan and the world, the flesh, and even their own deeds of flesh. There's no liberty. And then the last one, so you can go home peacefully. My last one here. I got plenty more. I'll give it to you later. But edify. 1 John 2, 27. The anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you all these things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Basically, personally, it's it's John 15. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. God's going to set the way for you. He's going to make the way for you. You couldn't get access any other way. I mean, oh, Jesus made access. And now we boldly approach the throne, not timidly, not cowardly, not afraid of God. We don't have to veil. We don't have to veil ourselves anymore. You can read it later. Just look at it later and study it a little bit. It's wide open. Wide open. So here's what I want to do for our altar. Please stand with me this morning. For the altar, I just I just want us to come and be honest with God. Just come and be honest with God. The Holy Spirit, if you come, He's going to put His finger exactly on the areas of your life that might need to be taken away. He will. He's faithful. And if you're willing to say, Lord, I'm going to I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. With your help, God, I'm going to be able to overcome this situation. You walk out of here and ignore it again. I mean, it's just going to fester and go deeper and deeper. And it'd be more guilt and more shame and more problems later on. I say get free while you can. So you may not be in a backslidden situation, but it has crowded out. What you filled your life with has crowded God out. So empty yourself. This is our call. Anybody today who's willing to empty yourself on the 4th of July weekend so that the Holy Ghost can fill you up with things that you take away, the old man, so he can put things in the new man. If you're willing to do that, we're going to worship a couple of minutes and then we're going to go. We've got plenty of time. Plenty of time. You ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do and then you respond accordingly. Thank you for being here today. No service tonight.